You're listening to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast, episode 51, and there are some communication trends that I I have a bone to pick with. So let's do that. Welcome to the Seminary of Hard Knocks, a podcast designed to help you master church communications and social media. These are practical solutions from the trenches that any church can use. Now, let's join your host, Seth Muse, who's a piece of work already in progress. Hey, everybody. Today on the podcast, I just want to go over a few things really quick in the communication world that I think are just some trends that we might be done with. These things might be, they've served their purpose, they've done their time, it's it's time for them to be over. Before we get into that, I want to let you know about the Facebook group that we've started for this podcast. Go to sethmuse.com slash group, and you'll be able to join our Facebook group and join the conversation, the extended conversation with me and other listeners there. I hope you'll, you'll join us there. Get the show notes for today's episode at sethmuse.com slash 51, and let's jump in right now. There are some communication trends that are out there that have been around for a little bit of uh, maybe a little while, maybe not very long. And, and to be honest, they bother me. They just bother me. I think there's some, there's some, there's some weight to like why they became a thing. I get it. But I want to talk a little bit about some of these things and why they might need to just go. Um, So I'm going to go through my list of things that I would like to get off my lawn. And here we go. First of all, let's talk about those super duper small letters on church graphics. What the heck, man? Here's this epic scene of a mountain or a snowstorm or a sunset. And somewhere buried in the middle next to Waldo are some words that might have some meaning to that picture. And, And they're super hard to see. I don't know when this became a trend or who this is for, but having to actually uh, take my fingers and unpinch them on Instagram, on my phone to read what this thing says. I actually had to do that the other day. I know I've made a, a lot of jokes about that in the past. I actually had to do that. I won't name whose account it was. They're a very popular graphic site. And I had to, op- I had to take my fingers and actually zoom in in order to read what was written there. I don't think this works. And here's why. If your people are seeing that, it's going to look really good, but it's not going to function very well. If your if your message is buried in the art, then there is no message. And ultimately, I think there is no art. I mean, you surely you can appreciate the epic beauty and the thing that it represents. That's great. It's wonderful, but it does not communicate clearly the message that words do. If you're going to put words on a on a graphic, if you're going to put words on there, make them readable. I'm fine with making them small and finding places to put them in the image. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying don't do it to the point where you can't read it. It's so hard to read. That is swipe up material if I've ever seen it and I do it every single time. I don't read the message. I don't read the scripture. And I feel like a lot of people are probably there too. So if you're making graphics for church communicators to share online or you're doing a done for you kind of service, I'm talking to you. I would love to see graphics that are readable on a phone because that's where most people are going to consume that content. Now, if you want to make something that's for a slide, that's huge, that's going to be in front of a church, fine. Knock yourself out with the magnifying glass type lettering. That's fine. But don't do it for something that's meant for social because the screens are already small enough and not all of our users have microscopic laser eyes that are in their 20s. Okay. Some of us are getting up there and we'd like to still play the game if you don't mind. Thank you very much. All right. So let's move on to the next one. There's an idea in church communication world that your website has to be 
um, so difficult to operate and custom coded to be good. I know that a lot of us have kind of, we're, we're kind of shedding this, which I'm, I'm really glad WordPress has made things better. Squarespace is a great platform. In fact, I'm moving my church to all Squarespace. We don't have a web coder. We don't have someone on, on our staff dedicated to website. And until we do, we're going to do something that's easy for us to manage. And that's Squarespace. Now I do have some concerns with Wix and Weebly, but if that's what you can do, do it. It's better to have something that looks good that maybe isn't as stable or maybe isn't as whatever. Just don't do giving through your website if you're using Wix or Weebly or something like that. Use WordPress or use something that's that's uh, secure. But if your website does not have to be custom coded in order for it to be good. Now, with a custom coded website with somebody that's good, if they can stick around and maintain it and update it and do all that for you, it's obviously better. Obviously better. However, it doesn't have to be that way. If you can't afford a web developer on staff, then do something that people can actually update and fix. And Because here's the goal. The goal is to have a place that looks really great, that's impressive, that also gets information out there to the people that need it, right? So don't stress over the difficulty of your website and, and especially don't feel like it has to be this custom coded thing that you have to hire and pay $10,000 for. You don't have to do that. A Squarespace business account, I think runs about 260 bucks. You get the hosting, you get the page, you get all the tools, you get some uh, code blocks you can drop in and do CSS and code. And you, you get a free domain right now. I, I think it, I think that's pretty standard, but you get the free domain as well. So Squarespace is a great option. I love it. And it's easy. It's, it's definitely got its own learning curve, but WordPress is awesome. WordPress is great. So find something that works for you. All right, let's move on. Oh, this one gets me. This one just gets me every time. And it makes me so mad. This is something that I feel very personal about. I'm about to share something from my heart. So forgive me if I get a little bit angry or a little bit upset. All the time on our social media channels, if you're a social media manager, listen up. You're going to have negative feedback. You're going to have somebody with a bad comment. You're going to have somebody come in and curse you out. You're going to have a bad day on social media at some point. There's going to be somebody that says something really, really inappropriate, really rude, really mean, and they're going to insult your pastor. They're going to call you a cult. They're going to say you're all about money. They're going to call people out by name that are on your staff, and they're going to do things that are rude and should not be done. That's true. Your response to those things is what you can control. In the Facebook groups, I see this question a lot. We got this negative comment. We got this thing. What do I do? And the thing that the trend that needs to stop is this flippant, who cares attitude where we just say, oh, just ban them, just block them, just delete them. Don't even give them the time of day. They're crazy. That kind of attitude is permeating through our culture right now. If someone says something I don't like, let's just cut them out of our lives. I love the Babylon Bee because of its satire. It had one on point the other day. It said, God cuts everyone out of his life that's toxic. 7.2 billion people dead. That was the headline. Because that's the truth. We're all kind of toxic, but we have to learn how to deal with it. That's what adults do. Adults deal with difficulty. Children throw fits and get what they want and whine about it. So if you're a social media manager and someone says something negative and your response is to delete and ban, shame on you. You should not be doing what you're doing. And if you were on my staff, I would definitely write you up. And if you did it again, I'd fire you because 
That is not how we treat people because God loves people and you should too. And sometimes people don't even have the right church when they do that. They don't know what they're talking about. It's clear. And if they're being abusive, you need to take steps. You need to have a process. Try to take them to a direct message. Try to convey, you know, respond to them. Leave the, leave the comment up unless it's filled with, you know, cursing and whatever, but still respond publicly still, and then hide the comment so only they can see it. Whatever you got to do, Try to handle it like Jesus would handle it. Don't handle it like you would handle it. You're a sinner. He's not. Do what he would do. And a lot of times what he would do is not what I'm seeing being given as advice in the Facebook groups. So if you're one of those people and you listen to my podcast and you're one of those people that say that, just know I'm trying to help you understand that what you're doing is wrong. That attitude, I think it's sin. Don't do that. It's a huge pet peeve of mine. And honestly, if you can't handle the heat, get out of the kitchen, everybody. Social media is tough. Develop some thick skin and learn to handle yourself with composure in a difficult situation. Instead of cutting ties and, and bailing people and, and throwing people out and bailing out of the situation because it's just too hard for you. If it's too hard, go do something else. All right, here we go. Public church directories. Let's talk about public church directories. There was a time once when I was at a church that said, Hey, we're doing our, we're updating our public church directory. So what we're going to do is we're going to put everybody's name, address, phone number, kids' names, all that on some, on a printout. We're going to print out our database basically, and we're going to put it out on these tables in the lobby. And we really want you to go and update and check them off. Make sure we have your correct information and make sure that we've got everything in our direct, cause we're making a directory. If your skin didn't bristle at that thought, that happened in 2015. That happened to me in 2015. Okay. I went directly over there as soon as I found out what that's what we were doing, because I was the youth pastor. As soon as I found out what we we're doing, I went out with a Sharpie and, del- and blacked out my name and said, do not put me in here. Here's why. Here's why ch- public church directories aren't exactly a good idea anymore. I'd like to see this go away, especially collecting information like that. Don't collect it like that for the love of God. Don't collect it like that. Because if you live in a metro area like I do, you get all kinds. You get all kinds in the church and we want them to come in, but we don't want to give them access to things that they don't need access to. We have sex offenders, child molesters, people like that that come into our church. We don't need to give them our address so that they can find out where our kids go to school so they can find out where we live They don't need that information. It's not necessary. And besides, you're already on Google. You don't need a church directory. If you need to find out who somebody is or or where they live, first of all, I'm going to ask, why do you want to do that? (laughs) Because for me, that's a real, that's a flag for me. It's like, why are you, why are you looking me up? You know, what is it you need? I don't mind having my phone number out there. I don't mind having an email address out there, but my address and my kids' names and all that, why do you need all that? You don't. So in an age where we have to be, uh, unfortunately, more safe than sorry on this, we have to, as a church, I think, rethink the church online, the church directory. Now, if you have a password protected online directory for members only, I can understand something like that. But the printed here, everybody just take one kind of copy. It's just it's so scary. There are so many things that could happen because of that, and your church could be liable for anything that, that happens because of that. So I would really rethink that. Now, I know a lot of people are still doing those. They still love those. You might hear my voice and go, oh, man, that's, my, that's like a great thing for us. 
that's fine if a directory is what you want to do, but just find a way to lock it down so it's not just open to the public because that is like a treasure trove for really rotten people to come in and, and ruin things. So I would make it really, really hard to find or, or make it a private thing where you don't announce it, you don't announce it or a password protected website or something like that. So um, here we go. Last one. Sorry, not the last one. Uh, second to last one. Blatant plagiarism of movie clips and images. Let's let's camp on this for a second. I love movies too. I really do. And I love that I can find things on the internet pretty easily. But when you right-click images you found on Google and use them in your services, that is illegal. When you grab clips from movies, even if you found them on YouTube already, that is illegal. I'm going to put some links in the show notes here to the Fair Use Act because a lot of people quote that, but it's misunderstood of what that includes. Uh, We also need to talk about CCLI licenses and stuff like that for video and services. There are ways you can show movie clips and use images in services that are legal. But I, I, I will, I did it myself, and, I'm, and I hate that I did it. But I was, I know how easy it is to, in a church world, in a church setting, the, because we need something now, we need some, something today, we need something good, to just go and basically steal. That's what we're doing. We've got to stop. That's a trend in church communications that has to stop. Those images don't belong to you. In fact, if you search images in Google, there is a setting you can say, uh, show me only images that are tagged for use without, uh, with, I forget how they word it, where you can use it um, without uh, um, changing it or or you can use it with changes. Uh, I forget how they word that. Um, but you can do that. You can go to places like Unsplash and Pexels.com, and I'll put those in the show notes as well. Those are some free image sites. Use those. Go to movie clip sites. I don't have any off the top of my head because I don't use I don't usually deal in movie clips, but I know that there are subscription sites that you can go to to get great moving backgrounds. Uh, there's there's Church uh, Igniter Media. There's Igniter Media. There's um, Brady Shearer's new one that he just put out. Um, oh, story tape. So there's some great video sites for background images, but for movie clips, that's a, that's a sketchier one. And if you're doing a series called at the movies or doing some kind of movie series for the summer blockbuster movies or whatever at your church, and you've not gone through the process of getting it and it's not a CCLI license, it's a, a CCLVI license. I believe I may have those number those letters mixed up, but there's a specific license for music that's CCLI. And there's a specific license for video clips. There are ways to get those clips. There's a lot of companies that do this for you. Now you need to look those things up before you just rip things off of a DVD you have because your equipment can do it and put it on the, on the screens for the service. That's not legal. We've got to stop doing that. All right. Last it's actually four things wrapped up in one thing, but I like to call it, I like to group it together because there's a trend in church communications to really hate some of these specific tools and items. And I want to talk about them all together because I call them the four hates and the four hates consist of apps, bulletins, cross posting and stock photography photography. So let's talk about apps. Not every church needs an app. That's true. If your church does need to use an app, I hope that you're ha- you have a strategy for the app that is not just let's put everything on the website in the app because that's not what it's for. Otherwise, you're spending a lot of money you don't need to spend. If you have a mobile responsive website that can do what your app is doing because you're putting the same thing in both places, then just do the web- website. That's free or freer. If you're going to do an app, do something specific with the app. Put a podcast in the app that only exists there. 
Put a I'm here folder in there for things that go along with the sermon every weekend that only are found there. Put the notes there that people can take notes for in the services. Do do something specific where it's only in the app. Say if you put a sign up form for an event that says if you get if you sign up in our app, download the app, sign up, you get 15% off this event, like a men's conference. Find ways to make the app special and and worth paying the money for. But if you're not going to do that, then no, you don't need a nap. But we don't need to hate on a nap. Just need to have a strategy for it. The second one is a bulletin. I know a lot of liturgical churches have to have a bulletin. They use the bulletin. An older congregation is going to be tough to take the bulletin away. You might be able to add screens and and addition to the bulletin, but you're not going to be able to take it away. So anyone that comes and says, bulletins are dumb, you should cut them, we should do away with them. Maybe that doesn't work for your church. You need to do what's best for your context. Your congregation is different. So to hate on those things, I think we should stop hating on bulletins. You might need to redesign it. You might need to design it better. You might need to rethink its purpose and start putting things in there that only go to that purpose and definitely come up with strategy for all your communication pieces like that and how they're going to do just like the app. But that doesn't mean you have to nix it just because it's printed on paper. Oh no, ink and paper. It is expensive, but if it works, then do it. If it doesn't work, find another solution. If it works in conjunction with something, make sure you just know why you're doing it. If we're just printing it because we always print it, then yeah, that's not a good idea. That's, that's That tends to become wasteful. Let's talk about cross-posting. That's the idea of taking things from one social media channel to the other. Here's the deal. Instagram and Facebook are the same company. They're basically the, they're owned by the same company, and they work well when you cross-post. Here's the thing. You might need a presence on both channels, but you have just you, and you're a part-time youth pastor who's also the communications person in charge of the church social media. You don't have time to make content specifically for Instagram and specifically for Facebook. Sure, there's going to be times where the content itself... Just just lends itself better to one platform or the other. And then in that case, you would just put it on that one. But for the most part, if you're doing sermon quotes, video clips, asking questions, you can do that on either one of them. You really can. But if you're asking people to share something, you can't put it on Instagram because there's no real share system. But on Facebook, there is. You see what I'm saying? So putting the same content on to and cross posting, that's not a lot of people like to frown on that, but here's the deal. If you're trying to start something up, if you're trying to gain uh, a different audience and different, uh, an audience in, different, in both places, I think it's okay. And here's why I think it's okay. Um, because a lot of times now with the algorithms the way they are, Facebook is really clamping down on what it shows those that follow your Facebook page. And I believe we're going to see that from Instagram soon too. I think Instagram is going to change a lot as well because they tend to follow suit. So that being said, who knows if Instagram is is showing your content to the same people that Facebook is. If those companies are linked, I kind of want to think that the algorithm, as brilliant as it is, would at least be able to go, hey, I showed this same thing that I cross-posted uh, from Instagram to Facebook. I These people on Instagram saw it, so on Facebook, you don't need to show it to those people. I think that might be smart in there, and I don't know if it works like that, but if it doesn't, the chances of the overlap of people who follow you on both channels seeing the same content is not very high. It really isn't. And even if it is, how many people do you know that see some piece of content from one person on Instagram, they like it, and then they go over to Facebook when they get done with Instagram and they start surfing, oh, here's the same piece of content, and then they like it again. Why? Because they like the content. That's it. I don't think it's nearly as annoying as some people make it out to be. Now, for some it is, especially for those of us who are in communications, it's annoying. But for our regular users, 
I bet they don't really notice that much. Now, if it gets to where it's like constantly the exact same things, yeah, the platforms don't really, uh, you know, they don't really, they do different things. And so that can kind of get tedious and like, why would I pay attention over here when I could just see everything you're doing over here if it's exactly the same? So at some point you do need to diverge and try to build out and you have to build a team to do that or you have to get more time, whatever. But until you can do that, it's okay to cross post. It's also okay to say, I'm just going to do one of them and not do both of them. But we can't just hate on the cross posting. That's not the problem. The problem is knowing your audience and knowing what's going where. So think about it in a strategic way and you'll be fine. All right. Last one, stock photography snobbery. Some people want to redo their websites and they're like, but I can't use stock photography because it's so stock. Hey, those photographers are phenomenal. Those pictures are really great. And it's better than having nothing. If you're going to, if you have a choice between a website that's all text and one that has stock photos until you can replace them, pick the stock photos because they're better than just an all text website. Having the photos in there, even if they're stock makes your, gives your website some life. Even if somebody comes to it and goes, Oh, these are stock photos. That's kind of a bummer. It is, but you know what? It's not the end of the world because you have stock photos. I don't know anybody really who's, who said I was going to go to this church, you know, to help me out with my divorce. But, uh, I went to the website, man, they just had stock photos up there. So we just, we just went ahead and got divorced. I don't know anybody that does it. It's not that big, that earth shattering of a deal. Here's what you do. Put the stock photos in when you're built, rebuilding your website, and then try to replace one of them with a similar photo or something else that works in that space every other week or so until you get all your photos replaced to where they're not stock photos, because you don't want stock photos. You really, that's not desirable, but it's better than having nothing. And so go ahead and do that. If you have to do that, just don't set it and forget it and then not pay attention to it later because you do want to get the life of your church. People need to see what it's really like in your church. That's part of the problem with stock is that it's not really you. It looks like you, but it's not you. Does that make sense? I'm asking this question to a hypothetical audience that I, that I can't see if you answer me. Yes, that makes total sense. So these are the, that's the four hates, apps, bulletins, cross-posting, and stock photography. Now, I know that there's a lot of, uh, a lot of things that go, go into communications and, and whatnot, and it's difficult to navigate. I just want to remind you of your pastoral role. The, the communication director may not have pastoral status, but you are pastoring people. And at the end of the day, you're pastoring them online. You're helping people point... Point, you're helping point people to either your church or a place that they can grow, or you're helping them grow by the things that you post. So think about it from a pastoral role. What's going to work for my people? That's really at the heart of a lot of these trends. We could easily look over and copy somebody else, but if we do that, it may not work for us. It's so tempting, and I guess we could say this is one of the trends I wish would die, is that we look at these big churches and we go, I want to be just like them, and we just end up copying them. It doesn't always work. Find what works for you. Take the things from, take the principle from what they're doing and apply it to you, but not the tactic always. That always doesn't, doesn't always work. So take what can work with you, put it in your context, and then start working it in slow, work it in as, as part of your strategy and make it work. So you've got to pastor people, find the best way to do that. And even if your, your social media feed is not beautiful, your Instagram wall is not beautiful, or your Facebook channel is not full of whatever you wish it would be full of, you're going to be able to reach people better with your channels 
in communication. So find what works in your context and you're going to be just fine. We have a hard job, but we have an awesome job in communicating and helping our church communicate better the gospel and the grace and the love and the peace that comes with Jesus Christ and a relationship with him. So having said that, those are the things that I really would like to see the in communications kind of go the way of the, of the dodo if they could at least in our mindset of we have to do all these things exactly like the gurus say, because here's the thing, you're called to your place for your, for a purpose. And you've got to find what that is. So I'd love to continue the discussion. Join the Facebook group at Seminary of Hard Knocks. You can go to sethmuse.com slash group and find our Facebook group. Join the conversation there. I'd love to hear other things that you kind of wish would die and what things you'd like to replace them with because I'm all about going forward. Thank you guys so much for listening. Check the show notes out at sethmuse.com slash 51 and I will catch you next week. See ya. See ya.